0: morning everyone uh, on this blessed sunday um just wanted to check in and make sure everybody's good with the 715 uh press conference can i get richard's wanted some feedback if we could take a couple minutes
1: that's what we thought that's exactly what we thought for
0: the entire season
1: what's that what's that
0: Training camp, or
1: will it be the same during the season as well? Or yeah, Well, that's uh, TBA. TB, yeah, TBA. TBD. <laughs> training camp is fine.
0: Training camp is fine? Okay. Richard yeah. Rich will take note of that.
1: Training camp
2: is fine. I'm hoping that's the season.
0: Okay. That's fair. We'd, we have to have it. We to have it. We'd have to have it earlier during the season because our staff means at seven. So. <laughs> the only thing else I got to say is,
2: how about them cowboys? Yeah!
1: How
0: about them cowboys, indeed? All right, it's officially football season here at the Athletic. The cowboys have spent a week in pads, and so it's time to talk about the best and worst of what happened on the field with some of the best people who actually watched them practice. So welcome in to another edition of About Them Cowboys here on the Athletic. I'm Kent Garrison, hitting record and producing as always. Excited to welcome in our panel and a first-time guest to the show today. But holy crap, did you see that Luka game winner? Have you guys been watching what the Stars have been doing en route to Lord Stanley's Cup? Well, you can be reading about it all and tuning into our other local podcasts over at The Athletic. Tim Cato's doing his things on our Mavs beat and on our Mavs podcast. Sean Shapiro always holds it down for your Dallas Stars. But right now, you, the listener... Can get 40% off their coverage at theathletic.com about them cowboys. It gets you access to the entire side of the athletic, every single possible future episode of this podcast, because who knows, we might just drop a bonus subscriber only episode on you. So you should probably sign up now at theathletic.com about them cowboys. But now, all right, it's time to talk cowboys. Welcoming onto the show for the first time. You can see her reporting in USA Today, you can hear her asking thought-provoking questions at Cowboys press conferences, and you can follow her on Twitter, at Jory Epstein. Welcome to the show, Jory Epstein. Jory, glad to have you here.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Excited to get your observations from training camp. Excited for that. And welcome back to the show. He is, according to sources, back at Cowboys training camp. Still haven't confirmed that, but I've seen it out there on social he knows more about the Cowboys than any other Detroit Lions fan out there. That is a guarantee. He's father, John Meshota, the machete. Hey, John.
3: I like it better when you do comparisons. Like, I thought you were going to come with a Mavs comparison for everybody. On the show. Oh, like, you like know the what? So-and-so of the podcast.
0: I'll be quite honest with you. Uh, the Mavs ge- uh, ending kind of kind of ran a little too closely into my show prep here. So, you know. I don't want to scrap everything. Restart. Maybe next week, John. If the Do you still. want me to do it right now? Yeah, go for it. If if you were a Mav, which one would you be? Would you be the the KP, maybe the uh Dorian Finney Smith of the podcast or the Luca? No. <laughs> I'm Luca all day long. Uh no. Uh <laughs> oh,
1: confident. Uh, wow.
3: <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh I would say I'm I'm fine with being uh I'd be KP. That's fine. You're uh you're Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll... Unless you want to be Mark Cuban. No.
0: and no, I'm good. I'll be Carlisle. Okay, you can be Rick Carlisle. Uh, <laughs> Carlisle's great at piano, so I'll take <laughs> KT, that
3: skill set. KT, you're a better player than this, but you, you got some on. You're just a very likable guy. <laughs> That's okay. Like, he is. Like, yeah, he just I'm makes okay. you smile. Yep. Like, everybody really likes you. Uh, you don't have really any enemies that I know of. Uh, Jory would be... See, at first I wanted to say Trey Burke, but she's a better player than Trey Burke because Trey Burke's just coming on now. Like I mean he's having he is a good player. Uh, he was drafted high. I thought he was gonna have a better career than he has, but he's coming on strong. Like he's been a huge part of them, like especially tonight, and he was great. Um
0: <sighs> Tim Hardaway Jr.
3: That's a good one. Yeah, we'll go with that. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've Tim named Tim Hardaway the Jr. He's the only one. I'm yeah, no, that's 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 a pretty good one. We need so to find no, one, a, no, uh, no one's no no one's Luca then.
1: Yeah, nobody's Luca.
2: We'll need to get oh, Luca no on Luca. the podcast so we have Luca as Luca.
3: I think he loves get, the Cowboys. We won't have we won't get too far down this this topic, but uh that's the only thing that's missing with that guy, is it just like unfortunately he's just not the greatest of interviews. Like even when they talk to him right after the game, like it's like mm, You wish there'd be like a little bit more, you know, like when you see like Dirk or Boban or guys like that like I don't know maybe he'll evolve into that but right now you can tell he's very very guarded with what he says even after a big moment
0: like that that really puts him in rare air for what he's accomplished so anyway shout out to Dallas sports by the way I know we have a lot of listeners not from Dallas but it's been a long time coming for these teams to be you know making some noise in the uh in the playoffs and it's it's cool to see especially that Dallas stars finally uh you know making some noise cuz They've been pretty good for a while. I don't know about the Mavs. I think the Mavs is more of a preview of what's coming come in years, but like, I think the stars could maybe, maybe peak here. Shout out to Saad Youssef also on that beat, um, holding it down at The Athletic and always doing great content for you guys. But speaking of great content, welcome back to the show. He's emotionally and physically recovering from the release of the Killers' new album, Imploding the Mirage. It's Kevin K.T. Turner. Kevin, are you okay? How, how was your weekend?
1: It's good. It's been a good weekend. Uh, did you listen to the album? Do you like it? I did. I, I enjoyed the album.
0: Uh, I don't it's know good, where it right? ranks. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's an good. enjoyable record. It, it didn't stick out to me like this is the best killers album I've ever heard, but it certainly stuck out. Like, yeah, there's some really standout tracks and solid all the way around. Not a, not a departure style wise from what you'd expect. So that was good.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would agree. And if uh, you know, if someone listens to that album and doesn't like him. Uh, doesn't like that album, then I I would fight them like I was Earl Thomas. Segway. Oh, nice. All right. So that's happening. Earl Thomas. I thought we were kind of done with this after he signed a four-year deal with the Ravens. But then uh, after, as The Athletic uh, has kind of reported, you know, missed a lot of meetings and then a big fight at Ravens practice. Uh, the Ravens have released Earl Thomas and he's now available. And, of course, that begs the question, what? Uh, does he really still want to come here? Did the Cowboys want him to be here? Uh, John, we'll start with you. Uh, what are your uh, Earl Thomas thoughts, opinions? Just uh, how are you feeling about the overall landscape of this thing? Is he's now a, a free man and on the free agent market?
3: Um, well, first off, um, selfishly love it uh, because yeah. it creates buzz for the Cowboys. And I love how they're just always involved with everything. So even if it doesn't happen, you still just, you get the interest from it because it's the Cowboys and it's a possibility. Um, I'm not saying that, I don't think it's a lock by any means. I think when it was first being talked about earlier in the day, you know, you saw like Adam Schefter talking about how the Cowboys would be like the front runner if he became available. Like the Cowboys were never going to trade anything for him, but it still comes down to what he's looking for to get paid. He's never really taken a bargain, so you know they have money to give him a respectable deal if they want him but then they also have to factor in how much you're going to give him and then what kind of a player is he still I believe he still can contribute at a pretty high level and I believe that on a a really good team with a good secondary like on this secondary like I don't I don't think there's any question that he would upgrade it you know just from a taking the ball away standpoint and so all of that stuff sounds good um and then the negative side is While everybody will be hyped about it, and it's a seven-time Pro Bowl safety, there's something to be said for a guy that has had these issues in a Ravens organization that I would argue is one of the best, if not the best-run organizations in the NFL. Um, uh, Just speaking to Cowboys fans, I don't think they would be very pleased if Amari Cooper, after a game against, let's say, the Rams, went to L.A.'s locker room and said, come and get me if you get a chance. So there, there certainly are some things there where you're just like, well, I don't know if I can just say that he's going to come in and be, just be the perfect team guy, it's the perfect fit. This is exactly what we need. You know, he can make up for, I I believe adding Gerald McCoy to a certain extent was to bring some leadership to uh, a younger ish roster. And so I don't know like how that will all fit in, but I also kind of don't really care about that because I'm trying to get a playmaker on the back end that they haven't had in a while. So if if he's willing to come at a reasonable number, which I would think he would because he may, has made it clear he wants to play for the Cowboys, then it makes a ton of sense. And uh, I already think that they have hopes of, of being a Super Bowl contender, but if they add Earl Thomas... There's no question that they should be a Super Bowl contender.
2: I'm glad that John mentioned that night back in December of 2017, because we were all at the, the Seahawks at Cowboys game. We were both still working for the Dallas Morning News at the time. John was at the Cowboys locker room. I was still on my assignment of opponent locker room. And we thought that the storyline going in was, Zeke is coming back from suspension. Can they make the playoffs? Okay, now they're out. What does Zeke look like? And then all of a sudden, John's standing outside that locker room seeing Earl Thomas go up to Jason Garrett, which... You'd been there for a lot of games previously. Nothing like that happens. I'm in the Seahawks locker or the opponent locker room, waiting for Earl to get back from the Cowboys locker room, being like, I guess I need to figure out how to do something about that. And Earl's just telling everyone, while in the Seahawks locker room, under contract with them, that he wants to come play for the Cowboys. Definitely one of the more memorable post-game experiences.
1: Well, that's one thing I, I thought about is, okay, so he's been problematic in Baltimore, uh, as we've seen, although it seemed to have started out well, and then he just – on the bye week, just I am going to miss a practice here and there. I'm going to be late for meetings and things like that. But you know, if this is a place that he truly wants to be, maybe all that really calms down or, you know, maybe he is Earl Thomas and thinks he can still get away with that wherever he goes. But I remember watching a bunch of Earl Thomas tape before he signed with the Ravens and it was kind of being bounced around what he signed here and things like that. And I remember thinking, okay, he's not the Earl Thomas that we know from Legion of Boom, obviously, but the one thing that you would see is a guy who could still cover a little bit, would still make enough game-changing plays, it was not going to be great against the run or anything, but still, you know, you can still call him a top 10 safety in the league. Uh, maybe top five, arguably. Like, you'd still see enough plays and enough good tape to go, okay, well, this is this is really good. So I'm really interested. I go back to Mike McCarthy and, and what I think I know about him. What I think I know about him is he's all about bringing in talent and he's not real worried about Locker room, he's not real worried about that type of stuff because he's never had too many issues in Green Bay until the end. Um, so I don't think that's uh, a big, a big issue now. Maybe Mike Nolan's going to have his opinions on you know how does he fit this and you know uh, Earl. It, I, I was reading the the article uh, you know that Jeff wrote in the Athletic uh, from from the Baltimore side about basically Earl kind of struggling with some of Baltimore's advanced concepts and things like that because he was used to playing with. You know, the the defense with, we've seen with Chris Richard and things like that were just kind of simple. Uh, and maybe that's an element that, that we're kind of going to see changed a little bit this year. But, man, I I, I could see a sign-off from the Mike McCarthy standpoint. I would imagine there's a sign-off from a Jerry Jones standpoint. I don't know about Steven, and I don't know where Mike Nolan stands on that, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of voices in there who are like, why wouldn't we do this? Because it's probably going to be cheap, too. Well,
3: let, let me just say this. I, I... There's a storyline out there right now through camp, the first week of camp, that I I don't like at all, that I I don't agree with, and that's that um, there's just so much more work on forcing turnovers in practice. Like, yeah, they're working on it, but they were always doing that before. They just weren't getting the turnovers because of the style of the defense they played. I mean, there was a time, I think it was either the last year or the second from last year at Valley Ranch, when they had footballs screwed to the wall in the practice rooms so when the guys walked in, they would hit it. Like, they were... pretending like they were knocking the ball loose. They were trying everything they could do because it's not like they've had trouble forcing turnovers for a year or two. This has been going on for five plus years. So don't buy into that. Oh, they just work on so many more drills. They're working on it a lot, but they were working on it before. Why I see more turnovers is because it's going to be more aggressive on the back end. Like we've already seen some stuff in practice where, um, you know, we can't get into position groups and break all this stuff down. We have more restrictions this year, but I'll just tell you this. Um, without naming any names, you're going to see um, guys that you would typically think of as four, three edge rushers. So we'll say Everson Griffin, uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith. You're going to see on some plays where they drop into coverage and you could potentially see a safety blitzing from the other side. And you know, that's something that we haven't seen a lot of here. And I just see them being more aggressive on the back end, And so having that belief, that makes me want to have an Earl Thomas like that even more. Like, hey, you might give up some big plays and things like that, but Earl Thomas just has a nose for the ball, and why not have a guy like that on your back end that, hey, maybe we give up some points, maybe we give up some big plays, but there's also going to be some times where we take away the ball too because we're much more aggressive on the back end. And I think that's what you're going to see, so I think he fits this defense from that perspective.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. I mean, when we think of the defense in practice and what stands out over the last week, it's so much about the defensive line, which has been tricky because both La'El Collins on the, at right tackle and Tyron Smith at left tackle have not been participating in team periods. So we're just seeing like Alvin Smith and Demarcus Lawrence just blowing past people. And I think the question is, when it When is the, the secondary going to start doing something? And they haven't done nothing. And, I mean, they have gotten some picks, and Dak's like, great, they can get that and give the ball back to me during the games. But I think that um, we're not seeing them flash in the same way that we're seeing the defensive line flash, which is a reflection of how the Cowboys invest in their secondary this year and for a lot of years now.
3: Let me just say one thing about that. It's that there also is a sense this year, more so in previous years in practice, where I'm not saying the DBs aren't contesting the ball, but – like, there was a drill today where they were doing end-of-game situations, and Dak threw the ball up multiple times from midfield, and Amari caught it, but it was clear the DBs were told, like, let's not be all jumping into each other and trying to knock this thing down and getting somebody hurt. Like, we know what we're going to do, and we know where we're going to be. Let's just run through this drill and not, you know, let's not, let's not get anybody hurt on something that's just really running through a, a procedural thing, and so... um, Because of that, though, I think that that probably affects it a little bit because I know because we can't put out as much video as or any video, actually. All we have is what the team provides us. So people are seeing still pictures and they're just interpreting as like, oh, there's, uh, you know, Anthony Brown getting burned again. There's Cheeto getting burned again. Well, there's a little bit more to this. Like there's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more nuance. Like there's times where there's been interceptions that Dak would have been sacked on the play. I mean, again, we're not supposed to talk about position groups, but let me let me just throw out two names here real quick. Terrence Steele and Wyatt Miller are are the are your tackles. Like That's a and problem. And they're constantly going up against Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence. Like Those guys are getting a Dak quite often, but they're working on extending the plays too. And Mike McCarthy, I thought, made a really good point on, on one of his recent press conferences was talking about how they're doing that because there's more extended plays in the game nowadays in general. And really me personally, I believe that that might be where Dak's at is absolute best is when a play breaks down and he rolls out. And so – there's just a lot of other things that go on that in practice, it's not, I guess, it's just not exactly apples to apples, exactly like game-like. There's like little things yeah. they do in the drill because, to take, take a saying from uh, Jason Garrett, line one is absolutely getting to that Rams game as healthy as possible.
2: We saw that one play where Demarcus Lawrence and Alan Smith were on the field together and to avoid sacking Dak, they basically went wide past him and Alden went flying in the air. And it's like, eh, do you really want that guy hasn't played football in five years? Maybe we should tone it down just a little bit. But they're trying to simulate game speed to the extent that they can while also not getting injured.
3: Yeah, real quick. Uh, I was going to say, um, you know, we have like a Slack channel at The Athletic with obviously all the other mm-hmm. NFL writers in there. And we've had stuff in there about like, hey, what's practice look like for you guys and things like that. And the Cowboys aren't hitting, they're not tackling to the ground. And so I found that there are some teams, like, by following that section, because you know, I can't follow all these every 31 other teams, but what, what I did find was funny was that, uh, not funny but interesting, that Joe Judge and the Giants are tackling to the ground. Like, uh, that was one team that stood out to me. But most teams aren't. They call it thud where you just basically put your shoulder pad into the guy. I will say, though, the, the hit that Jory talked about, that's one that stood out. Another one was Tony Pollard came around. Think was on a swing pass, and Jalen Smith hit him pretty good, like got him right in the the shoulder pad to shoulder pad, knocked, knocked uh, Tony Pollard out of bounds. Um but uh but for the most part, like they're not tackling to the ground. So just just in case anybody was wondering about that.
1: Yeah, so the date we're recording this is August 23rd, and it'll be your choice when you uh take it in. But we're recording this three weeks from from opening day. So yeah, I still think it's way early to kind of be pushing it. It'll be interesting to see. How McCarthy compares to Garrett once you get to 10 days out, 14 days out. I'd like to know, what are y'all's opinions on how important the preseason not, not being played is, though? I mean, this not having games, not being able to evaluate these guys is obviously going to be huge for a lot of teams, but especially a team with a new coaching staff. Uh, what are y'all's kind of thoughts on that? i got to be honest real quick before y'all before y'all answer. I have been thinking, I'm not going to miss the preseason personally but I'm also not used to having the stars and the Mavericks in the playoffs in August and that having my attention, you know, normally there's nothing else going on and the Rangers are pretty bad this time of year. Like now I have these other things that have kind of taken my attention for a while that I'm not like, Oh, I have to have preseason happening. So that's where I'm at. I'd like to know where y'all stand on that.
2: I think that those preseason games are big for a guy like, okay, Ben DiNucci, the quarterback out of James Madison, they took in the seventh round. Well, Right now, I think he's got a good chance of beating out Clayton Thorson for the spot. But also, maybe not. I mean, neither of them are looking great in camp. Neither of them get, are getting a ton of opportunities. And and you already know that Andy Dalton's going to be your backup. I think also some of the other guys. I mean, I was talking to someone close to Bradley and I today, the fifth-round defensive end. And it's like, he had a pretty good day in practice, but does that mean he's going to make the roster? And what happens if he gets claimed by another team? What's going on with practice squad? So I think some of those guys – we're seeing flashes of it, but they're only getting so many opportunities against a talent. That's not the same caliber of the guys who are, who are playing those first team reps, whoever they are, because we can't mention them, of course. So I think that they're definitely going to be heard. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how Steven Jones and Will McClay and Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones get in the room and say, okay, we're keeping these guys. Let's hope it goes all right. Cause we don't have the same way to evaluate them that we did last year.
3: Yeah. I agree with all those positions. And then I would add in there, um, it would also help to figure out that I would feel like that fifth wide receiver spot, because um, for me personally, I'm pretty set on, on the top four with Cedric Wilson being the fourth he's, he's kind of separated himself from the rest. And so that fifth spot, if I had to, if I had to pick the roster right now, if Mike McCarthy called me, I would say I would take Noah Brown. I think he's stood out. He, he, he Noah Brown's look really good. I feel like, I mean, for a fifth wide receiver, but you know, we felt that same way last year around this time about John Baya Johnson, and then he went into some of the preseason games and he had trouble with some drops and things like that. So, you know, if there's some preseason games, that John Baya Johnson look better than he did? Like, you know, Devin Smith, some guys like that. You know, the back end on those receivers would kind of interest me there. Um, and then also, you know what, I'll even throw in some of those offensive linemen, like I was mentioning with the Wyatt Miller, Terrence Steele. Like, again, like they're not going full, full. All the way out, speed it would be kind of interesting to see them go against maybe some lesser defensive ends and see how they held up there. Because, I mean, let's be honest here we got Tyron Smith, Cam Irving, Lyle Collins, all not practicing right now. I mean, those are all very valuable offensive tackles at a position that's just so vital to the success of this team. And so, it'd be nice to see a Brandon Knight, you know, like I said, Miller Steele, see what they could possibly do in, in one of those situations. So, yeah, it hurts. Um, And I would say that it it probably leans a little bit more to Mike McCarthy sticking with keeping veterans over maybe some younger guys. And I don't think he'll be alone, and I think you'll see that across the league.
1: What would you say, aside from Gerald McCoy, uh, to you guys who have been seeing all these practices, what's the most worrisome injury or you know, person who hasn't been able to to practice a lot? It's kind of weird calling some of these things injuries because – Sometimes it could be a guy who's just like not, not in, in shape yet, and again we still have three weeks to go. But outside of McCoy, what's the most worrisome, you know, injury so far on the roster?
2: I would say maybe La'El Collins to me, and again I think you. May, I was glad that you included injury and out of shape because, um, well, there's two things. One, I think McCarthy is very diplomatic in the way he describes things when guys aren't practicing, and two, at least so far, there seem to be a lot fewer leaks on injuries than there was last year. And John, tell me if you think otherwise. But like I feel like we used to see and maybe this will return during the season, Todd Archer tweeted before we get out there, we're like on our drive, and he's like, oh, so-and-so got injured. Oh, so this happened. And I really don't feel like we're seeing that during training camp. That being said, it seems like there was some sort of conditioning issue with Lyle Collins. It didn't help that on top of that he had a car accident last week. He is back at practice, though not in a helmet and not, not doing anything, but um, But even though Tyron Smith isn't practicing too, I think that that was something we've seen for a while. And we kind of just got to the point where we have an assumption of like, Tyron will be there on game day. He'll be there for the most part. like Unless something crazy happens, he can not practice and still give you 12 or 13 good games, I think. But when is La'Ole going to get there? And again, Sean Lee's another one who he's not practicing, but we've seen him then come back afterward.
3: Yeah, Tyron will always be the one for me. I mean, he's one of my – I mean, if you're just doing a list of most valuable players on the team, he's right there at the top for me. Uh, you know, right, right after, you know, you get through Dak and a few others. Like he's getting up there in, in age. Um, and there's several years now where he's missed, you know, three games, and it just seems like you just are gonna constantly have to deal with Tyron missing some time. And when he's not in there, they're not the same on offense. He's just he's so valuable. And so to have him out right now now. One good thing is that it's a hamstring and it's not a back, uh, which he's obviously dealt with before. And it just seems like, you know, nagging back injuries, the older you get, really, not just in sports and life, they generally don't get better. Uh, So he'll always, that'll always be a concern there, you know. And and again, like not having, you'd feel a little bit better if Cam Irving was 100% healthy and he was working at both the tackle spots, but you're not seeing him either. And and then coupled with that, you just see Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence doing whatever they want against these other <laughs> offensive tackles so yeah no tyron would be number one for me if if like you could just say like you can get one of these guys back that's not practicing right now it would be Tyron.
2: and to me cam irving is right in that category just because since Tyron and La'Ella are not hundred percent, we, they really need Cam Irving to be the guy who can step up. And that was a good signing that they had from the Chiefs Super Bowl roster last year. And instead he wasn't even at practice with an ailment that they're not telling us what it is for a while. And now he's back, but not doing anything. So the difference between him and some of these other guys like Wyatt Miller, et cetera, I think is pretty stark based on what I know of Cam Irving.
3: I'm, I'm a Cam Irving fan because of his Florida state connections. Florida but, state. Um, he can play every offensive line position. Like he was like, so he went to Florida state as a, as a defensive end, played defensive end for a year, then moved over to tackle. Then and, um, they win the national championship as he's the left tackle for James Winston. And then the following year they're they need help at center. And so he filled in and, and was center the, the following year. And then when he goes to, the Browns, same thing. He's playing, like, every offensive line position. It's just rare. Like, I'm not saying that he's a standout at any of them, but just to have a guy that can play every position in a pinch like that, that's something that you really – you value, especially on Sundays when you're limited with the number of uh, offensive linemen that you can have active.
1: If uh, – I've been in the boat of don't expect too much from Alden Smith at all just because of the layoff and everything that we've talked about many times. But – uh is he now kind of one of those guys so far? I know it's way early in camp, so I don't want to like put everyone in the This is not some game-breaking opinion you have to have here on this, but if I was in that boat of, man, Alden Smith's not going to help this team, would you call me a crazy person? Is it starting to look like he's going to be pretty involved in this defense?
2: Yes, I think he will. And again, I think everything is relative. So are you saying like, is he going to be the same type of consistent available player as Demarcus Lawrence has, has been? That's one question. But where I look at it from, for a lot of reasons, he reminds us of these guys, is like the Randy Gregory, David Irving category. And if you think of those guys, and then you think of Alvin Smith, I would pick Alvin Smith on my roster over them because I, can, I think he's showing as much, probably more talent, but easily as much talent as those guys. And I think he looks like he's going to be a lot more available and again, as, as they told us, everyone had a slower ramp-up period in training camp, which actually probably worked to his advantage because I think he'd been working out with Jay Glazer and some of these other guys in the offseason. Um, he told us that he doesn't feel rusty. He's just polishing up. Um, but he does seem like he's going to be able to pick it up. He's back with Jim Tom Sula, his defensive line coach, who speaks the world of him. And um, yeah, I, I would count on him to contribute, especially as part of a rotation. How about you, John?
3: No, no question. And I'm all about pumping the brakes on any of the hype, whether it be with the guys that, you know, I mean, KT, we've talked about this many times with the Randy Gregory. When is he going to come back? What's he going to be able to do and things like that? You know, David Irving, but no, Alden Smith looks for real. Uh, he seems very focused. The Jim Tom Sula thing that Jory mentioned is huge because Jim Tom Sula. Like has been around him for several years. He knows how to use them. And again, we're not allowed to report what we're seeing out there. But let me just say that maybe uh, there's a way that they can uh, get Alden on the field with Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not saying that I saw that, but let's just say that that's a possibility. And when you put all those guys out there, it's pretty crazy what, what that could potentially do because you just think of I think there's a lot of people that are used to Cowboys fans that are used to seeing the base four three front because we've seen it so many years of Rob Marinelli, like, no, this thing's going to be way more multiple and you're going to see way more opportunities for multiple guys to be out there at the same time. Um, uh, I, I will say this. I don't know how much the switching will go with like, let's say like Lawrence going from left to right. I think ultimately like Lawrence is best at left and Griffin's best at right. I think Alden can fit into anywhere there. I think Alden can even play some some outside linebacker in some situations. Um, yeah, man. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, uh, hey, pencil him in for double-digit sacks quite yet, but uh, no, believe the hype for sure.
1: Are you guys allowed to talk about the kicker? Because, I mean, Kent's already bought a Greg Zerline jersey.
2: You know, we talked to the kicker today, and Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg, just had a kid this weekend, and we are exceedingly disappointed he didn't name him John the Leg because we were sure he was going to after Mishota.
3: I'm disappointed. I really am. But, uh, no, that was cool. That was cool. Like, he was good on the conference call. We talked to him for a while. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see what, you know, we've we've seen him kick 12 times now in, in practice, none longer than 44 yards all inside I mean they're all the ideal situation you'd want for a kicker and I mean he's got he's got a serious leg I mean he, you know I don't think he's gonna have a problem you know consistently hitting from 50 yards if everything goes well uh he dealt with that groin injury last year and, and that's what John Fossil you know the longtime special teams coordinator and with the Rams who's worked with Zerline his entire career uh that's what he pretty much hangs his hat on is that oh if he didn't have that injury he would have been fine he didn't he would be one of the best kickers in the league. And so that's where, that's where they're at there. Um, but I know that if like, you were someone that followed the Rams, you'd be like, man, well, why'd they let him go then if, if he was going to be one of the best kickers in the league? So I understand the reasons to be skeptical. And uh, it kind of goes back to earlier what we were talking about. He'd be another one that would be nice to see some preseason from.
1: Well, hopefully if it did happen to go bad, Kai Forbath would still be there to make Kenton happy as well. That's, yeah, Kent, jump
0: in aware. on this. What are your yeah, thoughts? There's, <laughs> I mean, I heard Greg the Leg say this. Earlier in his press conference conference call, there's no excuse for missing field goals. So you know, if he miss, Kai 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 didn't miss any. He didn't have to make excuses. So we'll see what the Gregs are when uh, when and if that happens. No, I, I support the guy, and um, you know, as long as the special teams are better than last year, which is hard to be worse, I'm I'm all game.
1: Uh, Jory Kent and John and I have kind of beat this topic into submission, but I would like to get another perspective. Just the whole, I you know you've talked about it a million times probably, but just the whole, are you feeling pretty optimistic this thing's going to happen? Like, I've even had to in the last couple of weeks, I like, kind of slap myself in the face and like start looking at September like, oh yeah, this is happening, here's the schedule. Like, because I really haven't taken it too seriously until about a month ago and I'm kind of started going, okay, maybe we're making a little traction here. Uh, we talked about it a lot, so and I know listeners are probably tired of hearing COVID stuff, but... I do want to get a perspective from someone outside of the three of us on how you feel about the, just the entire league and how the Cowboys are handling it in general.
2: Yeah, it definitely didn't seem like it would be as smooth as it as it has gone to this point. That being said, today, so we're t- we're recording this on Sunday, um, the league put out a statement about teams have all of the teams who use this same lab to process their results in New Jersey had what they are saying are, are false positives. And I think that on one hand, that's like, uh-oh, well, what if that happens? Like, Cowboys are getting ready to play the Seahawks, and then all of a sudden, like, Dak, Zeke, DeMarcus, and Amari all test positive. I mean, I think you need to figure that out, but it's probably good because there are going to be issues to work through that they have that issue now. Um, I definitely think they'll start the season, which – it still feels a little bit surreal because I don't know about you, John, but like two, three weeks ago, I didn't know if we'd go to the star this year. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we're there five days a week before 7 a.m. Like we're wearing our masks and we're distanced. But it, it makes it feel it's, – it's very confusing. I think they'll start the season. I think that a key thing that they've done is initially they said they would only test every day for two weeks. And then if the positivity rate of, of players, coaches, and the staff members they were testing fell under 5%, they would go to every other day, which I think would be a huge mistake if they want a new chance of getting through this season. So they extended that through September 5th, but I think that they are going to need to continue testing daily during the season. If they're going to have guys traveling and guys playing um, against other teams. Cause again, like we kind of start to feel like they're in this bubble because so many Cowboys, not all if you ask them, but so many Cowboys are staying at that Omni hotel right there. But then it's like, okay, Greg Zerline left, has a kid and comes back and he's there. Um, so like that happens and I'm not saying he's got COVID, he tested negative, he he made it through the facility today and they were safe at the hospital. But if people do things like that, someone's going to get it and you need to keep testing every day if you want to mitigate it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've always, like I maintain that I believe they'll get a season in. It just don't necessarily count on it being 16 games and maybe the Super Bowl isn't on February 7th. Maybe things get moved, moved around and stuff like that. But no, I think there'll be a season and, um, hmm. If Jerry Jones is is as content as he sounds right now about having fans in the stands, certainly he believes that. And I really will say, unless the league shuts it down, as long as there's one other team willing to play the Cowboys, Jerry Jones will put a team out there, play that other team.
1: Yeah, no, I I did want to say this, though, because I saw the news of, uh, you know, the the scrimmage that they're going to have, where they're preparing to have fans. And to me, and again, our, our listeners, however you feel about it, that's cool. I'm on the more cautious side And I'm kind of playing the long con on this thing where like the most important thing to the league and the money makers in this league should be having all of your games on TV this year. Like to me, that should be the most important thing. I'm not really understanding why we would have fans at a scrimmage or why the Chiefs had fans at a practice. And then there's the story out about some of the fans refusing to wear masks. Uh, I'm really not understanding that. Like I don't understand what the risk reward is. So some people can enjoy a scrimmage compared to just the possibility, even if it's a fraction of a percentage chance that COVID droplets are breathed into the air. Around like I just to me, I don't I don't think it makes sense. I don't really like that the Cowboys are having this scrimmage with fans. I don't like that.
3: That's because you don't love football as much as they do. I wish you loved hey, football man. more man. Yeah,
2: anyone Jerry said anyone who's there is choosing to be there. That being right. said, I think you make a good point. I do think that money is a factor here, but I also think for Jerry it's like His pride, because he he had this whole line of, I want to look back on 2020 and think I did something inspiring. And the NFL was a model for how to get through the pandemic and do it safely with distance and masks. And we have doors and windows we can open. And I don't care how much the air conditioning bill costs. So for him, I think he loves finding solutions to really tough problems. But that is as much, if not more of a factor, as making the money. Of course, he wants the money. And I'm not naive about that. But I actually think he just wants to, like, Outwit COVID, and that's what he's trying to do
1: here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I hope he can. I mean, if that means if anyone COVID, can, Jerry in. can. Huh. All right, what, Jerry, what a story!
3: What anything. a story that would be. Like we look back and we remember when Jerry defeated COVID. <laughs> <laughs> he's sold COVID. That's oh, like why he's
2: been so quiet for this. Night. Right. Oh he's, man. he's been on
3: that. He's been on that Bravo Eugenia. Just he's. <laughs> On there with scientists yeah. just trying to figure this thing out, <laughs> they got pretty close. He said that you got to go up to the Seattle and Alaska areas, and he was like, "I'll be there. We're going to figure this thing out."
0: Yeah, KT, uh, you know, you talk about that that today. Some some players tested positive, but it was false positives. And you know, I I I've become even more optimistic every day with this thing. You know, yeah, um, every day that passes with with no positive tests is is a good one, and you know if we get through training camp i think i think we'll be pretty good because i you know a there's more players during training camp right so there's more chance of of somebody bringing it in but i think players will become a little bit more serious once the season starts and um so yeah i think if we can get through the next (laughs) sounds weird to say week or two i think we're good and um you know just gotta cross your fingers at that point so Jory yeah. just
3: said about the travel, so I just want to throw this out here. And this could be just absolutely ridiculous. Like somebody really intelligent could listen to this and be like, God, Meshoda's an idiot. But anyway. <laughs> so after some of the drills outside, we saw um we saw like there a member of the staff was like spraying down like the tackling bags and things like that with it looked like some type of a disinfectant. And I watched like about a 10 minute video that the Seahawks put up about how they've been, you know, trying to be as safe as possible around their facility, and and they had a a different type of spray, but they were doing the same thing in their weight room after the guys got work done working out in the morning. So when I saw that, I was thinking to myself like because you know a lot of people have raised that question about the hotels, you know, like staying. Like I don't know if you guys saw that there was a really good article, and I and I hate that I can't remember the author's name, but on SI just coming up with a plan of how you could do this. And one of the things he said was you could just have all night games so then the team could fly in the night of so they wouldn't have to stay in hotels. Well, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, couldn't you have someone like you rent the hotel, like the Cowboys obviously have enough money to get the hotel a couple days before and you have all of those rooms sprayed down. So when the person gets in there, it's completely disinfected. Nobody's been in there like they have the money to do that. You know, like I don't understand how that wouldn't be a possibility, you know, because obviously they have to be doing that on planes and things like that. I would think they would be doing that on the Cowboys plane before they fly to these cities. I don't understand why they couldn't potentially do that, you know, to those rooms. But obviously then the players have to stay in their rooms and, and things like that. But I don't know. I just feel like when you're, you know, it's it's different when you're like you're like an MLB team right now and you're on the road and you're on the road for like a week. Like you're just talking about like one night, you know, you get in Saturday, you stay Saturday night, you, you go to the game and then a- on Sunday after the game's over, you fly right back home, right? That. So it's only one night you need to stay in the hotel. So I just feel like, isn't there some kind of way to disinfect those rooms? And then the other thing is like, I can't imagine that a lot of these hotels are just, you know, are packed right now with so many people. Like I would think that you could rent yeah. out rooms for a couple of days in advance to make sure that a, hey, you know, these these rooms are clean, you're good to go, you know?
2: they had some rules and I forget all of the details, but I mean, they're going to have to go in a separate door. Like they're going to have a team specific door to the hotel entrance. They were even recommending teams take two charter planes, which is interesting to me because I get the whole social distancing, whatever. But for me, it's more like assume that if your guys on the team get it, the rest of them are going to get it. And then just try and do like the risk mitigation around them.
1: Yeah. No, the the Marlins showed us what this is. I mean, it's, To me, it's just way different in football. I mean, 60 games is not a lot for baseball. And you've had that. You had the the outbreak with the Cardinals. That's it. They're halfway through the MLB season, and that's all they've had. But we've talked about that a lot. I just wanted to get someone else's thoughts on it. Oh, KT, we're about to hear about this on Twitter from
3: people. Would you guys stop talking about that? Meanwhile,
2: John's been showing up to the star on Monday and I'm like, okay, so at like 32 minutes and 43 seconds, I like when you mention that you're happy to be around friends again. (laughs) He's like, he's like, I don't remember anything I said. I don't listen to it again. I'm like, you know
1: what? I got you. Well, you don't listen to our podcast, John? No, not over again.
3: No. I, I hate hearing my voice.
1: Why don't you like and subscribe? You Ah, jerk. We need the numbers.
0: I am liked and subscribed, but yeah, I just listen my to voice. it just so we get the download. Finney, okay, you know, you don't have to listen to it, just hit play and turn it off. <laughs> the worst
1: sound to me is my own voice.
2: I hear Jor- it all the time, though. That's yeah, sorry,
1: Jory. Who's your pick to win the NFC East?
2: I think the Cowboys can do it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles stay healthy, but they also like often don't stay healthy, so I don't assume that they're going to. Not that I wish for anyone. Um, but I think the Cowboys can get this thing together. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, clearly one of those two, sorry, Jason Garrett, but, um, I'm going Cowboys. How about y'all?
1: I'm going Cowboys. I So what I'm interested to see is like, where are the Cowboys? Like I see the 49ers are still the class of the NFC. That team looks really good despite some of their injuries and the saints still the Packers. I don't fully believe in, uh, like I still have that it's, it's 49ers. It's Saints, whatever the Bucks are, God knows right now, and I'm just interested in how close y'all see the Cowboys to being that top tier of the NFC. Because I think they're right behind it. <laughs> I think they're really close, but I still think those are the two teams in the in the conference that are better than them.
3: I mean, I put them right there with any of them, if really if Travis Frederick came back. Um, oh. Losing Travis Frederick is huge, oh. and and I and I have to see how they you know i got to see how that offensive line blocks without getting a lot of reps from lyle and tyron leading up to the season but if that offensive line looks anywhere close to what it's been in previous years i certainly think that they have a great chance to win the nfc east um, but i still would probably put the saints a little bit ahead of them and i know i know tom brady's best days are behind him man i'm not you can't sleep on that on that bucks team just because I mean, Jameis was playing YOLO ball and they still won, what, seven games last year?
2: That's what Arian said. He said, if we can win with Jameis, we can win with anyone.
3: Yeah. Easy, Bruce. (laughs) God. Anyway, um, what a jerk. (laughs) Jameis got LASIK, though. He
1: might be, he might have figured it
3: out. Sleep on him. He
2: might have only 27 interceptions this year. Yeah.
3: Let him get in there. Watch what he does with that Saints offense. No. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they're right in the conversation with the rest of them. Uh, no, no doubt about it. And that's, I mean, I know some people are probably down on them a little bit for the losing Gerald McCoy, but I'm telling you, I just think they're going to be so multiple up front. And, and I really, you know, to kind of give you a, a guy to watch that most of you should know anyway, but like keep an eye on Tyron Crawford because this is a new scheme and he just looks healthy. Like last year, he never looked right. He ended up having that hip surgery that... I think initially it was supposed to be just on one hip, and then he ended up having both of them uh, repaired, and that's why he started out on pop, but he looks good, and 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 he just, I think he fills into that Gerald McCoy spot of, of of playing a little bit more of that three technique. Again, we're not supposed to talk about this, but anyway. So like there was a drill today where they broke up the defensive linemen, and we're... Um, all the guys that you would be your quote-unquote edge rushers went to one area, and then all your tackles went to a separate area. And I noticed that Crawford went with the tackles. So he obviously can rush off the edge. He's going to get a chance to do that. But I think he's – I wouldn't sleep on him filling in that Gerald McCoy role, and I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Gerald McCoy, but, like, I don't know, as long as he stays healthy, I think Tyron Crawford's going to have a pretty good year.
2: Which I also think when you think about how he and Demarcus Lawrence work together, I think that'll be good because I'm not saying that chemistry isn't it's like, Oh, if you have chemistry, who cares about your talent? But I really just did not feel like that defense was gelling with each other last year. And I think that that was an issue and there were, whether it was leadership issues or not getting people lined up properly. And I think that again, it's too early to know for sure what they'll do this year, but they seem to be headed more in the right direction than I felt like they were last year.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. That's a fact There there's no question about that. And, um, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, best friend on that team is Tyrone Crawford. There, There's no question Crawford being out affected things last year. There, I mean, there's a yeah. reason why he's been a captain in the past. And, I mean, obviously, this is reading too much into stuff too early on, but, like, it really seems like there's a legitimate, like, it seems like Alden Smith and Everson and, and Demarcus, when they've been together, it seems like they're having, like, a really good time joking, talking. Like, it seems like there's, like, a good, solid uh, bond there. So um, it'll be interesting to keep keep an eye on that because – they have, as long as, again, if they can stay healthy, they have a lot of options to get after the passer.
2: Yeah, that first day we were out there when John and I were in the, what would it be, the West End Zone, um, watching practice from down there. And, like, the first time we see the linemen walking out because the special teams have been on the field, they're coming to join them. And you see Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence walking together. You would have thought Alden had been on this team for, like, at least two or three years, the way he was laughing and relaxed and happy and just, like, carrying himself, not like the guy who had been out of the league for four and a half years.
3: And, right? and that hit That's I was talking awesome. about earlier that Jalen Smith had on the sidelines on on, uh, on Tony Pollard. I can't tell you how many times I've almost called Tony Pollard Lance Dunbar. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, oh, on Tony no. Pollard um yeah no on Tony Pollard like Everson Griffin was going nuts like he loved it on the sidelines because he he was he still hadn't worked into team drills today was the first day he did team drills but I mean he genuinely was was pumped for Jalen Ooh, not I and mean, we're not getting too far off topic but Jalen looked really good too uh in, in, in camp this this whole weak side thing moving back to what he was playing at Notre Dame we could look back on that as that that being like a really good move for them
1: That's excellent. Sean Lee, too, just kind of same old or just kind of taking it slow or what's going on with Sean?
2: He's been pretty much rehab exclusively. I mean, he's still there. He's still like – I'm trying to think exactly where he's been in team drills because I feel like whether he's been on the sideline or doing his rehab has varied by the day. But he's not someone who I worry about like not being in the mix. I think he's still like having an impact in that meeting room. He hasn't played yet. And I guess the question is – Okay, last year he was available every single game, which I think we need to remember because it feels like he never is because he wasn't for so long. I just hit my step goal and I'm going like this. Um, But I think that are we going to see the Sean Lee who is like a little tentative because he's trying to get hurt, or are we going to see the Sean Lee who we saw in the Rams and Eagles games in December last year when he looked like the best – yeah, he was the best linebacker on the field in those games.
3: And let me just add to that – Obviously you want Sean Lee to be healthy. You want him to be out there. You want him to be a guy that can fill in, not just play on the strong side, but you can play weak, middle, whatever. But don't forget about Luke Gifford and Francis Bernard. Those guys have have played well in training camp up to this point. I think those are two guys that would really, uh, let's just say, fans would be pretty pumped about them, I think, if there were preseason games. Both those guys can play at the NFL level. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that.
2: And I think guys like Luke Gifford and Cedric Wilson are guys who – we just kind of didn't think a whole lot about them last year because they got hurt. But now that they're back, like there's a reason they're still in the building.
1: That's awesome. No, and also some uh, special teams usage for for Gifford and Francis Bernard, too, uh, who they drafted. I think we kind of don't talk about him very often either. So, uh, Kent, is there anything else we need to promote or anything else we need to get into?
0: I do, KT. I want to tell our listeners about Fubo TV. I know a lot of our listeners out there are worried about how they're going to check out the NFL season. Maybe they don't have cable. Maybe you've cut the cord. Maybe the streaming service you have no longer offers the NFL. Well, Fubo TV is here for you. Their standard plan, you get two screens at once. The family plan, you can get three screens at once. I know it's a tough time for a lot of folks looking to save money on their cable bill. They want to watch all the football they can, but they don't want to break the bank. TV will not disappoint. You can stay updated on all your favorite teams, all the local broadcasts you want, and FUBO TV has NFL Red Zone. Yes, that's right. Fubo TV has NFL Red Zone. So if you want to stay up to date on the NFL, go to FuboTV.com athletic today. That's FuboTV.com athletic today. Get 15% off your first month. I've already done it. You should do it too. It's FuboTV.com athletic. Start your first month today. And I also want to remind our listeners about Manscaped. Summer's not over, and guys, when it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and as safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. You want to make sure when you hit the beach that you're ready to go. You need that Lawnmower 3.0. It's the best hygiene tool for the modern man. It's got that ceramic blade, safe skin technology, it keeps you safe from all those unwanted snacks. For a limited time, our subscribers get not one but two free gifts. Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the High Performance Anti-Chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with code THEATHLETIC20 with Manscaped. I was gonna ask our our panel who were at practice. Uh, I always like to watch the wide receivers against the DBs. How's that been this year? I saw a a good play from our, our uh, Travon Diggs on on Twitter uh, going against Noah Brown, I think. Um, but how's he looked? How's Travon Diggs looked? I had a dream the other night that we traded Travon Diggs. As weird as that sounds, uh, I don't know why he was in my dream. I was subconsciously, but yeah, it was like. Cowboys are a little heavy at corner. So somebody wanted Trevon Diggs, had him valued really high. So they got to, you know, traded him. But um, how has he looked out there and how are those, how have those one-on-ones been with the wide receivers and the uh, DBs? I hate to break your heart, but like, it just
3: isn't what it used to be, Kent, when you were out there <laughs> it just, that's the one thing about this training camp that I really yeah. miss is that there was just so much, like no matter I mean, how boring joy that, camp, that I brought. Yeah. Yeah. That, that too. But just how much, how boring <laughs> camp could get, but then, soon as they moved over to do that compete period where like, you know, Des would go against really whoever, like it was so much fun to watch that. And these receivers certainly would be fun in that situation. But like I'm saying, man, they're not he, at least up to this point, maybe just because they're slowly ramping up. There just hasn't been a lot of that hitting and, and, and a lot of that that type of competing that we saw in previous training camps like that between the receivers and the DBs and one on one drills like that. So maybe that that's about to come, but we haven't seen that you know, up until this point. And so to your point on Trayvon Diggs, he's another guy that, you know, some some a regular offseason, some preseason games would have done him very well. And because he didn't get those opportunities, I think, again, like I said earlier, that McCarthy will lean a little bit towards his veterans early on in the year. But there's no question that they factor him into being in one of the major players on that defensive backfield, particularly at right corner, um, you know, with Cheeto playing left. And he's been spending a lot of time, Diggs has, with Al Harris. You know, Al Harris is a guy who made a couple of Pro Bowls with the Packers, a bigger corner like Trayvon Diggs is. Like, if if you, if if you someone asked me, wh- where, like, who's been Al Harris spending the most time with? It's Trayvon Diggs, and it's not even close. Like, I, I feel like he's always with Trayvon Diggs. There are, you know, high hopes for Trayvon Diggs that, you know, he was a consideration at 17, you know, if yeah. all of a sudden yep. – Caleb on chase on, isn't there. And then all of a sudden, you know, CD not there. Like Trayvon could have been in play at 17. And so, uh, you know, even though, you know, he's not working with the ones specifically all the time, you know, he's mixing and matching in, in with different groups. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't think that he's not part of, of the plan. You're going to see him playing a lot this year.
2: Yeah. I think the tackling is not going to be as sure from anyone in the secondary at the beginning. Yeah of the year just because of the nature of no preseason games in the different off season.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I think that they believe that he's going to get there to at least be a part. And I mean, they were trying to, they want that, what was it the two deep of the six corners, they want to have a lot of different options on what they can do. And he will be one of their options. in some of those looks.
3: Hey, speaking of the corners real quick. Uh, another guy, this kind of goes on my Alden Smith list too, of a guy that when they made the move, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. No big deal. Uh, Daryl Worley has looked pretty good, too. He's a guy that's going to be part of that group. Uh, at first, when they signed him, I was like, in a way, it kind of reminded me of, uh, who was it that they signed last year? Uh, the defensive back who he didn't even make in, uh, oh, my God, the kid from Boise State, the safety. Oh, who man. That? He, he didn't even make the, in the, the final 53. I can't even think of his name right now. And because of that, I was like, oh, I could see Worley kind of being like that, too, where it's like, we'll bring in another veteran. George Iloca. You know, there you go, yeah. George okay. And, and, and so I was kind of putting him in there, but no, no. Worley, Worley's in the mix. If I'm doing my 53 right now, Darryl Worley is in there.
2: Yeah, he, what was it? What was his play on Friday when we were outdoors?
3: He, he broke up a pass. I can't remember who, who who was targeted, but it was a nice pass breakup. Like, he just, a solid, vet, solid veteran presence back there. Um, you know, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to lead the team in interceptions or anything, but, like, no, factor him in the mix for sure.
2: And then Deep it was throwing it. me off because it's, Worley's 28 and West. No, Worley's what? There's like 20, 29 and 39 Worley and Westry. And then they were wearing their jerseys up where you couldn't see their numbers and names. And we were far away. And I'm like, you guys are going to need to make this a little more clear for us.
0: Um, You know, you talked a little bit earlier about turnovers. Has the defense looked better in practice this year in terms of that? More than in previous years and when it comes to the team period?
2: See, I did. If I remember correctly, I thought they looked decent in, in training camp last year. They just didn't ball out like didn't that during it, the yeah. season. And then now, like John was saying, they're not going full force. So we haven't really had a chance to see what they could do. So, I mean, there are some turnovers, but not a lot.
3: Yeah. I remember last year at camp, there was, you know, Xavier Woods had three picks and everyone was like hype on like what this could possibly mean. Uh, and then that didn't necessarily trans- translate over into the regular season. But like even today, like there were, to, uh, so, they started team drills, their last portion of team drills, and um, Xavier Woods stepped up, knocked a pass away from Blake Jarwin down the middle of the field on, like, probably about a 20 yard throw that was right on the money and, and would have been a catch. I mean, Jarwin had it, and then Woods came, came in in the last second and knocked it away. The next rep, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think it might have been a short completed pass, but then the one right after that, underneath throw to Dalton Schultz, same thing. Woods came up, knocked it away. So, I mean, he had two PBUs in three plays. Like, I mean, he's active back there and not to get too far off topic here on this, uh, I'll throw this out to the panel. Who are you, uh, if they did get Earl Thomas, do you think that he's starting over HaHa Clinton Dix or is he starting over Xavier Woods?
2: I think over HaHa.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Xavier Woods will start no matter what. But and put maybe some that...
2: respect on Darian Thompson's name, John.
3: Hey, we're not supposed to talk about position groups and, and, and everything again, so let me just throw this out there.
1: We're, not, we're uh, just talking about guys. We're just talking about mixing... some guys
3: more mixing and matching on that back end than they than I've seen them do the last few years in terms of like, you'll see Donovan Wilson work with Xavier Woods. You'll see Xavier Woods work with Darian Thompson. You'll see Darian Thompson go with HaHa Clinton-Dix. Like, there's a lot of mixing and matching from those, those four safeties. And so, you know, don't sleep on those guys if they don't get Earl Thomas um, because I, I think those four could be solid. I, you know, I don't think they'll get the turnovers that Earl Thomas would bring, and, and they're obviously not the name that Earl Thomas is. But They seem pretty set with those four guys. And like I said, there's a decent mix and a match in there of of what they're doing on the back end there.
1: And I I can't speak to what it was like with Mike Nolan when he was the head coach of the 49ers. And I realized that Mike Nolan and Dom Capers are two completely different people, but still Mike McCarthy is your your degree of separation there. There was all kinds of mixing and moving in the secondary uh, really throughout his tenure in Green Bay. And look, when you have Charles Woodson for some of that period, it's easy to do stuff like that because hey there's a guy who can take away someone or things like that but there was oftentimes there's a lot of moving around guys who could play a corner guys who could play slot guys who could sometimes run back there and hey we're gonna have you play safety uh Tremont williams comes to mind things like that so like that's a, that shouldn't be a surprise you know to see all that and it's, i think it's a a breath of fresh air after what seemingly has been a pretty stale decade in terms of you know just how we do defense around here we do things our way so here's the Nobody argument about knows.
2: that he Told us he said last year everybody knew what we were doing he was like not that that's a bad thing we had the talent but this year they might not know quite as much
3: so then that's the argument there is that you know he ties in a little bit more back with that earl thomas stuff is that you know he knew what he was he was locked in on what he was doing running the legion of boom and then he went over the ravens they're a little bit more multiple and it's just a little bit different type of thing than he was running there's there, I, I can see the arguments for both sides there's a certain there's a certain group that, that would argue, let's keep it simple and allow the, the players just to pin their ears back and play fast and just be reactive. And then there's the other side where it's like, well, let's scheme it up a bunch and like you know trick the offense. They're never going to know what's going on, which is fine if all your players know the exact system that you're running and, and they can fill in gaps. And when this happens, they know then I have to do this all the time. But it also can lead to problems if guys aren't on the same page. So it's not necessarily like – I'm just putting it this way. If there was just one answer – all 32 teams would be doing the exact same thing, well, you know? My example
1: here is, like, this type of thing always comes down to what's more convenient to your narrative. Right. Uh, because I remember Rob Ryan at the end of 2000s, end of the 2000s, 100%, like, yep. well, if they would just play a defense that was easy for the guys to understand, then maybe Morris Claiborne would be a shutdown cornerback. But instead he's doing all this crazy stuff. Like, it's like, no, well. just yep. so like, it's just, it's all about putting the right parts together and there's a lot of synergy and things like that. And it's all about just kind of making it come together and work. So I know that sounds generic.
2: Important oh, quick oh. side note, John, have you seen Jintan Sula when he keeps just like putting his hands over his ears? And I think he's telling the players from the sideline to pin their ears back. but <laughs> He's like demonstrating. <laughs> it. That's so cheesy. <laughs> he could be doing something else. And I really think he'll be like hitting oh the side gosh, of his head. Oh my gosh, And it is one of, he just has so many, as we were talking about the other day, like very football guy type things and, and I believe that is one of them, unless I'm misinterpreting. It it.
0: Sounds like something Jason would
3: do. Jim Tom Sula is an absolute joy to watch in practice. Let me just say this: if you told me that we leave the practice facility, uh, he the, the players leave, he goes to his office and then comes back to the indoor and then sleeps in there, I'd be like, "Yeah, okay." I, could. I mean, football guy all day long, like Jim Tom Sula. It just like I, I I don't know how else other to, to describe that just just a joy to watch during practice. I mean he is sweating all over the place like he is. You can see like yeah he obviously played on the defensive line in his younger days. You know like he he is a football guy all day long more so than anybody. I mean John Fossil is very active and he's always running around and stuff like that too. But man, not I mean and Rod Marinelli is a football guy too. So it's 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 interesting like. Um, there's similarities there, but no, Tom Sula, man, like, lives for football. It's very clear.
1: His, uh, his answer at the press conference, or when he talked to the media, Which
2: one? On,
1: well, yeah, no, right. <laughs> Over the years, which one? He's a Hall of Fame press conference guy, but his Alden Smith one was really great. By um, the next
3: podcast, I'm going to have it memorized how he said, you know, hey, I'm Jim. I'm Jim. <laughs> I'm Joe, blah, 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 son. I'm a car I tell guy, you if like.
1: there's
2: something on your yeah. news. Yeah.
1: yeah. This I is the for- guy who was hired as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. And the first thing he does is go up to the podium and say, I want to thank Joan and payroll. That's who he wanted to thank.
3: I remember that. Yeah. Not
1: God, not his family. I want to thank Joan and payroll. I want to thank Velma at the front desk. Velma's, you know, helping me out with my 401k. All right. And I want to thank Raul and the boys downstairs who are always whipping up an incredible Mexican feast every single Christmas time. He thanked those three, well, Raul and the boys, he thanked all those people first. That guy's awesome.
3: And, and, and I'm sure that there's plenty of people in San Francisco because it didn't work out that will make fun of that. But you know who that also sounds like, somebody that would do something like that? Andy Reid. And he seems to be doing just fine. Andy Reid would do some stuff like that. I mean, I'll never forget, Jory, you were there. When I asked him on that conference call uh, back before they played the Chiefs about uh, what he remembers most about going against the, the Cowboys when he was with the Eagles, and he was like, Oh, at old Texas stadium. Oh my God. When we were up in the coaching booth, the guy that made the chili dogs up there. I mean, just amazing. Like just the right amount of chili, a little bit of cheese, exactly the way I liked him. Like going into such detail. Like he is another <laughs> absolute joy. Like Pleasure. I love Andy Reed. And so I, I, I know what you're saying. I've watched that many a times. And you know, from talking to some people, I know that cover Washington, they said that, you know, Washington, none of their reporters talked to him. When he was they, there.
1: They told it. They didn't let him. They didn't want to yeah, talk because,
3: like, you know, at previous stops, like, people, you know, kind of poked fun at, you know, his style and the way he did stuff like that uh, and the way he talks stuff. Like I personally, I love it just because it's the exact opposite of what I, you know, I despise and it's just a real boring interview that sure. where the person doesn't really want to say very much. Who, who does that remind you of, Jory? Did we have an interview like that yet?
2: Tough to tell. I don't know.
3: No, we had Tristan Hill and it was a beating. Like, he clearly did not want to play ball with any of our any of our questions which is fine you don't have to but he was not interested in in, uh, in, in talking to reporters so.
2: which made it all the more baffling when Jim Togsula comes out and raves about Tristan Hill saying he's tickled to death by Tristan's enthusiasm
3: yeah so hey maybe he's just he, he's not happy with the media obviously the way he' was portrayed over this past season I mean well okay well let me take the media side here was it unjust? Like, are we missing out on something? Like, and we like, gave
2: him an opportunity to correct his narrative this year, but uh Rod
3: you know? Marinelli is the reason he was on the team, and Rod was done with him before the season was even over. It was oh yeah, like,
2: Rod said, "There's a train, and Tristan is the caboose train."
3: Right. Like, so I'm just reporting what I see and what I hear. So it's not like it was some made up narrative where we're just like, yeah, every time we talk to Tristan, he's just kind of rude to us. So let's write negative things about him, like. If you go out and ball on Sunday, no one's really going to care what you say to anybody or, or how you carry yourself during the week. They're going to be like, hey, he, he balls on Sunday. Who cares? So, but no, I just thought it was interesting because you know it's the first time we were talking to a lot of these guys in a long time because you don't have any OTAs, no minicamp, no rookie minicamp, nothing like that. We haven't talked to these guys in forever. So everyone seems at least cool with playing ball on these conference calls. Tristan wasn't interested in it. I, I found it kind of entertaining, actually.
1: Uh, all right. Well, what else do we need? Can't we have, do? We need to promote anything besides all the great stuff happening at the athletic? No, anything? I was just gonna
0: yeah promote. Go to listen to to our maps podcast as the as the um as the playoffs crank up here. Uh, and for the local people here in Dallas, we got Mike Reiner of the uh, formerly of the ticket doing a podcast yeah. now on the athletic too. So if you miss Mike Reiner, subscribe to his podcast Square One with Mike Reiner now on the podcast platform of your choice but this has been good and good grief it, the season's going to be here before we know it kt
1: absolutely it is and also the games uh, actually you,
0: season's here but the games yeah
1: thank you jory for uh joining us jory uh jory from the usa today uh at jory epstein on twitter right just your name right right uh, j-o-r-i is how you would spell jory so give her a follow if you're not following her also, father, uh, follow Father John Bishota. He's just John Bishota. He needs to add father to his Twitter, though. That'd be funny.
3: Yeah, but um, you know what? I would have, like, the worst panic attack ever if I tried to switch it to that, and then it, like, started off a new page, and I went down to zero followers. It unverifies I, you. Oh, my God. I might
0: cry, seriously.
2: <laughs> I would be very concerned about would you cry? pressure.
0: Would you cry more if you lost your followers or if you got unverified? Oh, lost my you, followers.
1: Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah I I was like, it about,
0: took you way longer than that. I thought it would
3: take. No, no. I had to think what where you were going to go with this. No, like I don't care about like having a <laughs> okay, blue check or true. anything like that. Like, man, there's a lot. Well, you're, like, you're a, a, a checkmark tattoo
0: begs to differ. You've yeah, shown that's true.
3: That to me. <laughs> I, I didn't we, know
2: y'all knew about that. Yeah, yeah,
3: we were not supposed to talk about that in here. Um, <laughs> no, there's a lot of people that I respect that cover NFL teams that aren't verified and they do. Todd Archer great job oh man yeah there's some good ones out there i don't want to name any of them because they're competition of other people at the athletics, some of them so i'm not going to do that but sure including
1: us but uh there's so I many just... things we can't talk about these days it's very weird yeah, i know, I know. So we don't want to talk hey.
2: about twitter verification personnel groupings or anything yeah
1: yeah, yeah
0: can't i was that. gonna ask you because i've seen some of that on twitter uh jory and and john of you know we can't can't tweet as much in, as we did in the past? Is that a league-wide thing? What's the deal with the social media policy on what you guys can and can't report? Because you guys used to live-tweet practice you know, back in Oxnard.
2: I think some of it is pandemic-related rules because there aren't fans at practice, and thus technically they can keep things quieter unless you're the people who are standing over from the Cowboys club who may or may not be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is Mike McCarthy saying, I'm a first year coach and one of the things I have is the element of surprise. Cause there are definitely reporters in, at some of the That's other true. teams who are tweeting photos and videos. That's true. Um, I, I, I about think McCarthy. probably a factor, hopefully PR doesn't listen to this is they're like, we can't do much without them right now. Cause they have to facilitate it all. So I kind of feel like we also have to follow the rules a little bit better than we used yeah. to.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think it's, it's also a McCarthy thing too. And that he mentioned about them not having preseason games and it's like, well, I'm not showing anything. We don't even have preseason games, whatever. And so, uh, maybe, you know, my hope is that that changes, you know, next year for training camp. Um, you know, that's my biggest worry about all this. Like I can deal with this for one season. I just, I hope that these don't turn into like new norms and that's just how it's going to be. But, and, you know, Jory mentions the, the cowboy club, like, um, Where I was standing, I looked over there multiple times, and like nobody even had a phone up or anything like that. So it made me think that even they were told, like you can't.
2: They have strict rules. I think they can get kicked out of the
1: club if they. Yeah, you're not supposed to have your phone in there. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you're not supposed to have your phone, or you can't take pictures in there. Things like that. Okay. Uh, Or at least you're not supposed to. Now whether they're monitor that full time, that's probably up in the air. But yeah, yeah, they had some pretty strict rules about not taking pictures and things like that from up there.
0: Well, I I thank you guys for keeping us informed because, you know, not being there and then (laughs) not having anyone there, really, except you guys. uh, Definitely give Jory and John a follow. killing me, Kent. It's killing me. Not be be like able to post up, a video of every play. Oh my yet. god, the
3: videos! That's like my favorite thing. No, I mean I, I look. Like forward I was to telling it every... Jory, like I was listening off my favorite things about covering the Cowboys, and they're taking them all away. Like it was a like depressing
2: the... list of everything John loves, and <laughs> it no longer exists in 2020.
3: No, no videos at training camp. Where I like I like to put up like if Jerry's I came back from,
2: again. That, if I, if fabulous. I came back from,
3: from camp practices and I didn't put up at least 20 to 25 during one, I felt like I did not perform up to my standard. <laughs> so I hate it. I hate that. There's not that I loved going to Oxnard just beautiful this time of year. Uh, and then talking to Jerry after games, like, yeah. you know, getting him in, at, at, you know, outside the locker room and just getting, you know, his, his thoughts and, and perspective on things. And then, you know, being able to go in the locker room and, and, and talk to players and things like that. And, um, and even like, you know, Jason Garrett always did these walk-off interviews after his press conference. And so I don't know, I, Mike McCarthy really doesn't seem like the type of guy that would be too interested in doing those, but who knows, but those are completely out of the question too. Y'all, so oh, like, y'all
0: haven't even experimented with the walk-off yet. No, no. There's yeah, I mean, not we been had anything. lunch
2: with him in Indianapolis at the combine oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was actually pretty good. It was kind of this like false sense of like, maybe we're going to have a relationship with this guy situation <laughs> because we had like, they said five minutes on the record. I think it turned into like eighteen minutes recording, and then we still talked to him for another hour. And he had already done a press conference, um, yeah, so good. that was good. But it was it was a one and done. situation. Jory, say um,
0: John, and say I they one. Wanna, John, I'm just while we're on the topic, John, John and I have a little wager going here. Of you think Jerry is going to talk after games? John thinks seems to think so. I don't think they're going to make him available after games, like via Zoom or something like that.
2: The thing about Jerry is he makes himself available, so I could see even if they don't like. Tell me how to turn it, this thing on. Yeah, he just like hold on, back like or like just calls into the fan. T- I mean, he yeah, even maybe. he has called into the fan before. Oh, I don't oh know if he that. Um, I mean, I guess and I think you guys talked about this. It could depend on if they won or lost, where they are, what the logistics are. But I think I think that it's he definitely will talk after some games because he will want to.
3: Yeah, I don't think it'll be everyone like he would normally do, but no, uh, there'll be some games. I'm, I firmly believe that he'll be like, no, w- let's do a conference call. Um, but no, what I, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, obviously people in Dallas or just Cowboys fans in general will bash Jason Garrett for not saying anything during press conferences. But I'm telling you, there were times where the walk-offs were definitely worth going to on stuff, whether we could report it or not, just to give you some interesting background uh, on Absolutely. things that have happened before, why a guy wasn't, you know, doing whatever, like – You can basically what it was is like right now, you know, we'll ask Mike McCarthy about Lyle Collins and it's just very vague. You can even follow up and it still stays really vague. Jason Garrett would do that at the podium too, but then you'd go to the walk off and he'd give you a little bit more where you're like, okay, well then we know what this is going on. Like, we really don't know what it is with Sean Lee. We know that it happened when they were doing conditioning. So I'm thinking it's like groin or hamstring because he's doing all the, um, Uh, resistance cords and things like that and that would be an injury that you would think could happen during strength and conditioning after having a long period of time not doing that type of workout because of this offseason being limited but you know there just aren't the same specifics on things like that Ken where
2: Irving had an ailment where he wasn't yeah. even there we didn't know when he was going to be back we I still don't know what it is and I haven't heard one leak about what it is
3: yeah yeah and and it's not covid related i mean he's been around the team sure. i mean he's been at practice the last couple of days but it's still just like that stuff's been very vague and there was times where you could kind of clear some of that stuff up
0: yeah i wonder if it's more product of the times you know the the procedures of COVID-19, or if this coaching staff really is going to be, believe it or not, even more tight-lipped than the Jason, Jason Garrett regime, which is hard to believe. But I guess we'll find out.
2: The one benefit is that at least we don't have, like, Gary talking at the same time as Zeke Amari and DeMarcus are talking at the same time as Dak and Garrett or Garrett could be going. Like, now it's, like, one at a time, and I feel I have so much less anxiety about missing an interview. Yeah,
1: whole that organization, yeah. Amazing <laughs> that
0: they could have been doing that, like – putting what people on a podium that? this whole time and you know were you guys assembled there you know it's a, it's just, <laughs> you no I no, no 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 I don't yeah, want, we want a,
2: locker room over yeah, podium i not a podium Gary no, Garrett and players at the same time like when we weren't at the morning news anymore and there's just one of us I mean it's a tough one
3: so those I named four things that I, that I missed the most that and that I enjoyed the most and those are gone and the fifth thing was I was going to say is the in the locker room after Dak talks, when he would talk off the record, there was a lot yeah. of good stuff there too. Oh,
2: that was the best part. He of is, year. uh,
3: you just really get the sense of like, there's, you know, you can hear D- uh, Mike McCarthy and all the other players talk about like, yeah, he's such a good leader. Cause you are just so relatable and it's just so natural and stuff like that. And it's another to experience it yourself talking to him one-on-one or with just like two or three other people and, you know, getting to pick his brain on several different things, even outside of football. And, you know, obviously we're not, we're not getting that now. And so, like I said, I hope these aren't new norms. I hope we go back to the way it was before.
2: Yeah, the best of when we were talking – well, there were a lot of great moments, but I did like when we were talking to him after the Hawaii preseason game in his locker last year, and some, I think Clarence or someone was mentioned that it was humid, and he's like, duh, have you seen the place? It's surrounded by water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's like talking about how like L. Collins, I think it asked the question, and Dak told them that, and then they went to Pearl Harbor, and Dak was like, but I already knew it all because I researched it before we went there. And it's just like the little things that you're like – not everyone is like this guy's brain and that's like my goal in my reporting is to show people what what he's like because it's pretty interesting
3: not not to not to give up too much about him and his living situation but uh even the fact that like him buying a, a huge house in the suburbs in an area that's like on the up and booming instead of being like oh i'm gonna have this like place in like downtown dallas or i'm gonna have this like you know like like being like around like the party scene or something like that. Like the, the places where like, he's like living is like, you know, that's a really smart investment on top of yeah. that. I mean, hearing CD lamb talk about like how nice that place <laughs> is on top of it. Like, like he's just, there, are, there aren't many things that you hear about him that you're like, well, that that's very well thought out. Like he clearly had a, a plan and, and he knew exactly what he was doing. So you can't get a football field in your backyard in downtown Dallas. Got oh, do yeah, it. Oh yeah. You can, suburbs, if you, if you're willing, I mean, Jerry you're can probably put one, right. one in that Highland park backyard.
2: And even the field, it's like with his D4K logo in one place and the end yeah. he's got the faith that was his mom's dying wish yeah. in the A. It's like a silhouette of him pointing up to the sky. I mean, like, this isn't just like, oh, I want to do something crazy. Like, everything right. is so intentional, has like six layers of meaning.
1: Yeah. It is something. That thing is he awesome. Talk- yeah, he talked about that when he was decorating his first apartment, too, though. Yeah. like yeah. I mean, there's a big story about that, so. Um, well, thank you guys for the time. We appreciate it. Um, obviously if anything huge breaks uh, during the week, we'll be back with an emergency episode of about the Cowboys. Otherwise you can catch us at the normal time next week or really, it's really up to you because you're the one who listens and downloads when you want because that's how podcasts work. You didn't (laughs) need to hear that from me though. Um, thank you so much for uh, Jory Epstein. Jory is at Jory Epstein on uh, Twitter uh, from the USA today. Thank you so much, Jory. We appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the next one.
1: Absolutely. For Father John Machoda, the do we decide on a play on a math player for you for this? Yeah.
3: Hey, I'm K P and I was just thinking about this. I'm okay. definitely him because he really didn't do anything today oh, yeah. and they still won. So you technically don't need me and you can still win.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh no, for the Rick Carlisle of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, he is a, a bigger deal because this is not the only podcast he does. He does all the NFL I think he's Cuban. I think you're Mark Cuban. Seriously. You're Cuban. You're the Shark Tank guy.
3: The Entourage guy. Garrison.
1: Okay. He was in Sharknado too, and I think you did a cameo in Sharknado 3.
3: I mean, do you uh, want to be Adam Silver?
1: This is a long out.
3: No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and the <laughs> outro it's, continues. And you're KT. Jory, this happens all the time.
1: <laughs> See I you like next I time. I always
2: get, like, two-thirds through. <laughs>
1: Uh, and about them cowboys, goodbye. <laughs>